0: Sports and wrestling fans all across the wide and wonderful internet. It is time once again for another glorious edition of Modern Day Gladiators. I always am your humble host, Michael Shibley, the ace of Tennessee sports podcasting, bringing you another big show. Here we've got plenty to talk about. College football is starting this weekend. We've got two games, and it's it's Division One. It's big matchups. you got Florida versus Miami, of course, is the highlight. You've also got Arizona at Hawaii for the late game. But hey, it's week zero, which means, hey, we've got football. We've got live football to actually talk about coming up on next week's show. It's going to be marvelous. It's going to be glorious. We've still got plenty to talk about. Of course, big news with a big announcement from the WWE. We, of course, have got the Pac-12 preview, which I'm going to jump right into. And of course, we've got a diva wide receiver complaining about stupidity and stuff that he should have no stake in an argument with and we'll talk all about that and more on this week's episode of modern day Gladiator. of course you can follow me michael shibley on twitter at michael underscore of course check out outlander media everywhere on social media that's the network that i'm a part of with of course great podcasts like halfle dlc respawn scared stupid Uh, Deadbeat Radio, all these great podcasts, they are here on the Outlander Media Network. We are taking over the world. We've got great interviews lined up on some of these shows. Check them all out. Of course, you can go to outlandermedia.net where you can check out all the shows at once and you've got a nice media player there. And of course, wherever you get your fine podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, check us out there, and of course, wherever you do, like, subscribe, share, give us those five-star reviews, that helps us grow and take over the world faster, because we're coming for you, and we want to take over the rest of the podcasting world, so join us on this marvelous journey that we are on. Of course, again, follow me on Twitter, Michael underscore Shibley, and you can also check me out on Instagram with Modern Day Gladiators, and of course, check us out on the Modern Day Gladiators Facebook group as well where I'm going to post links and other quick updates about different things going on in the sports world as they break. But let's dive in to, again, we are talking college football is just around the corner. Two games starting this weekend on Saturday, and of course the AP uh, preseason top 25 came out and of course Clemson hey they had a great end to the season last year i mean just blowing out alabama and why not reward them with a number 1 ranking to start because they've got so much coming back trevor lawrence especially at quarterback and alabama they are right behind them at number 2 i mean all of the, clemson got of course the the vast majority of uh, the Clemson got 52 first place votes. Alabama received the other 10. So those are the only ones right now that people think have a real shot. Of course, this is starting the season. So yeah, you can talk all you want about who's number one at the start of the season. The only time it really ends is at the end of the season. That's where it really matters. So again, pay attention then of course the rankings do mean something when you talk about breaking it down for playoff consideration but it's just awesome to see one of the other cool things is when you look at the top 25 you can see again how much having a great quarterback really uh means something I mean just to, just take a look when you dive in to all of this you look at again Number one and number two, Clemson, you got Trevor Lawrence. And Alabama, you got Tua Tungavailoa. So, those starting there. Number three, in Georgia, you've, of course, got Fromm, who has been amazing. But then, when you look at it, uh, Washington, at number 13, has has Eason as its quarterback. And, of course, the other one was, uh, you know, you have the starting quarterback, Fields, and... At Ohio State, who transferred from Georgia. So you got that. It's just amazing. Uh, LSU, who's at number six. Barrow played at, <laughs> at Ohio State. Michigan starter played at Ole Miss. So you just look at everything that's happened with all of us. And then you look at Central Florida, who's back in the top 25 again. Brandon Winbush plays at UCF now. And then you've got Kelly Bryant, who of course played at number 1 Clemson, and now he's at Missouri. So you see, again, how important it is to have a top quarterback. And so many of these quarterbacks now, it's almost a free agency free-for-all when it comes to finding starting quarterbacks and getting one. I mean, if you've got a spot open and you can get him in that transfer portal, he's right there for you. And it seems like you're going to be able to get him on that hardship waiver. It seems like you get the right representation, you're going to be able to move. So that's something to look forward to as we see how this season develops with all these top quarterbacks. But then you also look at what's going to happen next season as more of these rules and things come out and see what happens when it comes to top quarterbacks and where they want to play for the four years that they can play in college football. But we're going to dive in. We are now going to continue our big conference preview. We've looked, of course, at the ACC and the the Big 12. We looked at the Big 10 last week as I was up in Big 10 country. Of course, you can check out, of course, the Modern Day Gladiators Instagram. You can see the pictures I took of my little detour up to South Bend to talk about Notre Dame. And, of course, now we're going to look at the Pac-12. The SEC and, of course, talking about my beloved Vols are coming in next week as, of course, we've had a couple of games, but then we're going to preview the season. We're going to talk SEC big show next week. Of course, we've got a gigantic show this week as well. But let's drop into the Pac-12. Of course, it's a conference that's usually known for great offense. You talk about Pac-12 after dark and all the, just the great offensive firepower games you see on those late-night Pac-12 games. Well, that's not always the case. It wasn't the case all season long last year, because the Pac-12 for once had six teams... In uh, the top 48 scoring defenses, so they've been playing more defense out in the Pac-12, and again, these things are cyclical. They can go up and down as the different talent around them goes, but you can look at some of these teams and you can see that they are still wanting to play defense out west, so it's going to be interesting to see that trend is going to look to continue into 2019 but again now playing a little bit more defense is that going to be enough to get one of these Pac-12 teams into the college football playoff for the first time since what 2016 I don't see that happening but we'll see of course you've got a couple of top teams especially in Oregon and Washington and Utah probably your top teams coming out of the Pac-12 we're going to dive deeper ...into them as we move along, but again, this is something that we need to break down, and here we go. Let's start with the Pac-12 North, which, by the way, looks to be much more stacked than the Pac-12 South Where, when it comes to teams and their talent. Oregon, hey, they have a top quarterback. You talk about needing a big quarterback to win big in college football now, Justin Herbert, he turned down the NFL. He could have been a first-rounder, maybe the first overall pick, but he turned it down and wanted to stay there in Oregon. And also, Cristobal, the head coach there, has gotten, I think, the highest-ranked recruiting class ever in Oregon's history, which is just interesting when you look at what Chip Kelly was able to do there without as much talent, at least on the recruiting scale. So you can see you've also got just high-class just. It's it's more depth there in Oregon than you've had. However, one of the things you have to look at, though, is the receivers in the secondary. The receivers dropped a lot of passes last year, and the secondary needs to step up. You're going to rely on some freshmen in the defensive backfield that is not looking good. And also, you pr- have really, at this point, no real backup for the quarterback position. So if Herbert gets hurt... And, you know, especially if it's an injury where he doesn't want to go back out there and risk his NFL career or, hey, he's got, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, a, a knee issue. It's not like a torn ACL, but it's like a sprained knee and there's only a few games left in the season. Does he want to risk the millions of dollars he could be making in the NFL to go back and play in college where technically he's not getting paid? Something you've got to look at. With that, also, of course, the start of their schedule is not great. You look at what Oregon has, they are against Auburn August 31st, and that's going to happen down in Arlington, Texas, so that's a big game, that's one of the top games. I think it's the only game against two uh, top 25 teams to start the season. Of course, Auburn is starting a true freshman at quarterback, so that could be a real interesting dynamic, but still... We're going to have to see how all that shakes out. But then in Pac-12, they are at Stanford on uh, September 21st, and then they are at Washington on October 19th. So two of the other top teams in the Pac-12 North, they've got to go on the road to play both of them. So that's why I don't see Oregon. I see them most likely winning the Pac-12, but I don't have them getting through unscathed. I don't have them making the playoffs. Moving to Washington, this is really interesting because, again, we talked about Jacob Eason, the transfer from Georgia, has now replaced Jake Browning, who, of course, had all those four years of great play there in Seattle. Meanwhile, You've got four starters returning on the offensive line, which, hey, is always a great thing. When you're a new quarterback in a new system like this, having a great veteran offensive line, that's how you rely on... On, and that's who you lean on to make an impact there. Also, the top wide receivers are back. However, only two starters return on defense. So that's something you've got to look at, though. I'm not going to doubt Chris Peterson. He's done a great job wherever he is. He's a proven winner. So I do have Washington still being a top 25 team, but I still think Oregon's got a little bit more talent. Also, uh, teams to look out for in the North, Stanford. They're going to have a much better passing attack than running attack, which hasn't always been the thing at Stanford. But KJ Costello is a really good quarterback. David Shaw, of course, is head coach, a proven winner. But the first four games for Stanford, and this is where it's going to be key, they are uh, versus Northwestern, they are at USC, at USC. At Central Florida, they're going all the way down to Orlando to play Central Florida, and then they host Oregon. So the first month of the season could make or break Stanford. And again, I don't see them coming out of that undefeated. So we'll see where that all happens. Washington State, Mike Leach, the Mad Pirate, he's back. Again, he knows how to replace quarterbacks. Minshew is gone, and he was a great quarterback for his system. But he always seems to plug and play somebody in there who can chuck the ball in that air raid offense. It's always going to produce... And now they do play some defense. It's been a very opportunistic defense. A lot of turnovers, which sometimes the ball just bounces your way a lot more than it doesn't. So we'll see how that shapes into this season. But the big thing is they have not figured out how to beat Washington. They've lost six straight in the Apple Cup. So I think that's going to cost them a team to look out for at least to maybe sneak an upset win. They haven't broke through to the top yet. In the Pac-12 North, and that's Cal. They've got a great defense, but the offense is not there at all. Justin Wilcox has got to find somebody to move the football. Meanwhile, in the South, pretty much any team but Colorado could win it. Just like in the North, you've got a stacked line. But again, there's a lot more talent in the North. Every team besides Oregon State in the North could legitimately have a shot. I don't really see Cal winning that, but uh, Washington State, Stanford, Washington, or Oregon... I've got them all competing for that North title. Meanwhile, in the South, it's definitely up for grabs because no team is just top to bottom the clear favorite at all in the Pac-12 South. Everybody but Colorado could win. The most balanced team, and I think the one that's going to come out on top, is the defending South champ, and that's Utah. They finally broke through and won the division. They've been solid since they moved to the Pac-12, but Utah... They've got seven starters returning on both sides of the football, including Zach Moss, who's a great running back there for Utah. Kyle Winningham is a solid winning coach. They just need to be more consistent on offense. Sometimes they just go away from what they do on offense, and it costs them in some of these games. Of course, the big game that's going to tell a lot is going to when they play at USC in the Coliseum on September 20th, so keep your eye out for that one. Speaking of USC, and this is the first time I think since Pete Carroll's first season as head coach in Los Angeles that USC is not ranked in the preseason top 25. That team had some issues with Coach Clay Helton going into the end of the season there in Los Angeles so we'll see what happens of course he's realigned his offensive staff we'll see what production comes out there they do need a new quarterback because they they just haven't had the right guy there but they've got some talented wide receivers so if they've got a quarterback who can throw the ball he's going to get some great receivers In Pittman I'm on Ross St. Brown and Tyler Vaughns are just three of the best but again the schedule for USC is is a nightmare to start the season. Fresno State, always a tough out. Stanford, of course, that's going to be just a slugfest there. At BYU, Tennessee's going to play them in the second game of the season. They're a solid mid-major, always have been. Utah, at Washington, at Notre Dame. That's the first six games that they have. If if USC comes out of that 3-3, three and three, I would be shocked at this point. So, again, and if they have a rough start to the season, is this team going to just turn on coach Helton we will see where it goes but again if they get off to a great start then USC is going to be among the elite but I just don't see that happening meanwhile Arizona State got a stout defense but they lose you know Nikhil Henry and Manny Wilkins two of the great powers they had on offense from last season We'll see what happens if they can replace those playmakers. Herm Edwards can have another surprise season. Arizona, it all rests on Khalil Tate. He needs to stay healthy. If he can, Arizona can go far. UCLA, they started to click last season under Chip Kelly. It took a while to get going, but the gritty little Bruins were able to do some things late into the season, so we'll see if that continues. The line play needs to be better When you look at everything. So that's something we need to consider. And we'll see what happens. Though if I'm going to make my pick. Again I've got Utah. Because I think top to bottom. I think they're the the best and most talented team. In the Pac-12 South. Meanwhile in a much more talented North. Oregon, I think, comes out of that with a division crown. And I do have Oregon beating Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. The Ducks are my winner in the Pac-12. However, I do not see them making it all the way to the college football playoff. I think the schedule is going to come up and bite them. I think they're going to lose a game or two. So that's just something that we need to consider. And I'm going to say, still, the Ducks are going to win The conference, but again, I do not see them in the playoff. So, again, that's my opinion. You guys, of course, share your opinion anywhere on social media. Come at me at Michael Michael underscore Shibley. Easy for me to talk today. And just let me know what you think. If you disagree, I want to hear from you. I'd be happy to debate you, and we can talk about it. So, Thanks, guys. Of course, before we finish this first segment, we gotta thank our sponsors here on Modern Day Gladiators. The first is Joe Shirt, local here in Knoxville. They've been designing t shirts for over 30 years. Locally here in Knoxville, they'll ship to you for free. Of course, Joe Shirt Deluxe. If you got ideas other than t shirts, mugs, banners, pencils, bumper stickers, anything like that. They can help design a template for you and expand the word of your business. It could be business. It could be individual. We've got some great merchandise coming to Outlander Media. you got to check it all out. Once it comes up and available, it's all going to be thanks to Joe shirt. Great comfortable shirts. Go to joeshirt.com. Look them up. They can help you get the right design for your business or your brand. And, of course, the other one we got to thank is our newer sponsor, Otherworldly Coffee. It is amazing to see what they've got. Again, it's great coffee. If you, I, I, Again, I'm not a big coffee drinker, but the stuff that we have had that they've sent us some samples of, it's been very delicious from what I've been able to taste. I've enjoyed it. My favorite is definitely their signature one, the Bigfoot Blend. It's a medium roast uh, cryptid coffee check it out of course they've got some other great ones again and they like the supernatural stuff and all these cryptids so they've got of course the dogman blend they've got the mothman blend those are other medium roasts and then of course they've got the thunderbird blend which is a dark roast uh so again check it all out they've also got a sampler pack so you can check them all out and again if you go to otherworldlycoffee.com and if you place an order and you type in outlander in the uh, in the bar, uh, type in that with your first order with the discount code. You're gonna get twenty percent. Off your order so check that out they are phenomenal company and we're happy to have them here with outlander media so thanks for them and of course thanks to you guys for listening to everything we've had going on in the world of sports and professional wrestling we'll be back with some other great stuff with shibbles and bits and the world of professional wrestling after this you're listening to modern day gladiators on the outlander media network Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it's still modern day gladiators because it's the same podcast. I didn't go anywhere. So anyway, we're going to keep it going here. It's time for shivels and bitch. You hear the music. I still hope the Pink Panther doesn't sue me at this point. But hey, if I get a cease and desist order, I'll stop, obviously, or I'll pay him 50 cents for royalties. I got things dinging around. This is, you know, just the way it seems to happen around here. But that's okay. Uh, Let's dive into everything going on in the world of shibbles and bits let's start we're going to continue with college football it's right around the corner so of course we're still in the offseason so of course stupidity is what happens in the offseason and we'll talk about that in the NFL here too as well but Ohio State already won the poll that we talked about on the last show for being the most obnoxious fan base and they're, they, they're continuing with that with just their university administration because they're trying to trademark the word the, because of course for those of you who haven't watched Monday night football game or even a Sunday night football game over the last decade, you always got the guy who says you know Joey Galloway the Ohio State University. So they they just it, it, you know enthusiastically say it, and so of course they're trying to protect the university's brand and trademarks. Um, which just drives me nuts cuz yeah they they've already trademarked like, script ohio and the horseshoe which makes sense you know you look at miami where they've trademarked like the u because you hear trademark the, the reason they trademark something is because when you hear that idea or that sound or whatever it comes from something you recognize it immediately Like Michael Buffer, for example, the great ring announcer, trademarked, let's get ready to rumble, because anytime someone says that, they associate it with him. So if anybody's to use it, they gotta pay him money. That's how trademarks work. That's why, you know, you've got the power T at Tennessee, or again, the U at Miami. You can't trademark one of the most commonly used words in the English language. That, to me, does not associate with Ohio State. And really, you keep saying it like that, I'm just going to keep calling you Ohio State University. I'm not going to just keep adding the the because you really want to. It's obnoxious. And what I did love, it's some classic trolling by Michigan uh, because they're just countered it on Twitter by saying they're going to trademark of because they're the University of Michigan. So it's funny. But again, all the other, so many, the University of Tennessee, the University of Oklahoma, you, you can go down the list. There's plenty of those with other universities. It's just stupid. And, of course, they're using it to protect the brand and try and use it to keep making money. Which, by the way, I'm sure none of that money is going to go toward the athletes or any of the student population. I'm sure you're just going to double the size of the weight room or something, which isn't going to help anybody. So... Again, it's ridiculous and dumb, and this is one of the reasons I can't wait for the season to start, because then some of these dumb stories just go by the wayside, and we don't have to devote as much time as I have talking about it. Meanwhile, my beloved Tennessee Vols, we talked about it where the SEC has now allowed schools to start selling alcohol at their venues. Tennessee is going to start selling alcohol at games, starting with the second game of the season against BYU, which again, the irony... You guys, I hope you guys catch the irony of this, because BYU is a college uh, of mostly Mormons, and Mormons don't uh, routinely imbibe alcohol, so I just find it funny. I guess it's just more for the home team. Or maybe what they decided to do was realize that because since the Mormons aren't going to be drinking, that means they're just not going to have as big of a crowd wanting to buy as much alcohol. Because if you take you know however many thousand of uh, BYU supporters are there that aren't going to be drinking alcohol, you can you know ease into this a little bit more. So hey, whatever. I think it's funny. I I, I hope the irony isn't lost on any of you with any of that. Um, so, but again, bravo to my balls and hey, if the alcohol can make them a little bit more money, because again, I don't think the crowds are going to get any bigger anymore with live attendance at games, so you got to find another way to make some revenue, and this is a way to do it. Meanwhile, speaking of trying to make money, or someone who's made a lot of money, but is really getting on my last nerves, Antonio Brown, the Raiders wide receiver, has filed another grievance with the NFL over his helmet. He is now. Fa- For those of you who don't know, Antonio Brown has worn the same helmet since, I guess, since almost Pee Wee football. But it come, came under the rule that it is now not allowed. Uh, it is no longer a certified helmet. And now there was just a handful of players. Tom Brady was one of them who had had these helmets grandfathered in. But they knew that it was going to end. But Antonio Brown is saying that. The second grievance is saying that he was not given a full year to locate a new helmet or try working on a new helmet. This has been collectively bargained. You know, you've got probably at training camps right now, you've got about 2,800 players vying to make teams and working on it, it. and working in training camp. And 2,799 of them are fine and okay with the helmets they've got. You're the only one who's having a problem with this. And some of the other wide receivers have said it's not really even a problem. So again, just, it's, to me, it's a lot of Antonio Brown just trying to just be that typical insane diva wide receiver who tries to get his way. And honestly, It's just to keep him in the spotlight. And again, this is stuff that we talk about because there's no actual games going on. So that drives me nuts. And again, these helmet rules were collectively bargained. So they're not going to make an exception just for Antonio Brown. If they were going to make an exception for anybody, it would have been Tom Brady, who is far more important to the league than Antonio Brown is. And they're not even telling him that he's able to do it. He's got a new helmet. He's not happy about it. He was quoted as saying, but that's what the rules are. So he's abiding by the rules like you're supposed to. And Antonio Brown's the only person who in the hottest month on record in the country of France went over there and went to one of those cryo chambers and got frostbite on his feet. Like, it's the hottest month, and you still got frostbite. That's ridiculous, Antonio Brown. Just wear a new helmet, find one. Luckily, he was photographed with one of the certified helmets, so maybe this thing will end. Who knows? It's stupid and ridiculous. I'm devoting way too much time to this. Just get a new helmet, for crying out loud. It can't be that hard. If I was getting paid the $30 million or whatever you're getting paid, I'd find the perfect helmet at that point. Let's move out to some where people are actually competing and winning. You look at UFC 241 happened over the weekend. Stipe Mirkochic, uh he technically knocked out TKO on Daniel Cormier in the fourth round to reclaim the heavyweight championship. Um, Stipe had lost the uh, title to Cormier back at UFC 226 by a first-round knockout, but he dominated the fight, especially, of course, by the end, and just put... Uh, Cormier down, and again, congratulations to Miocic for again being a two time UFC heavyweight champion. Of course, another guy back in the spotlight, Nate Diaz. He's back after three years away from the UFC. The last time we saw him was his loss to Conor McGregor back at UFC 202. He won a unanimous decision against Anthony Pettis and looked really good. In standing. So hats off to him. And again, we'll see. Diaz, of course, he is an irritant, but he wins most of the time. So hey, keep him around and see if he can get back into business. Meanwhile, we look at one of the other fun things that's happening in the world of sports right now, and that's the Little League World Series. I've always enjoyed watching it. It's this just good palate cleanser of something right before we get into the full on football season, and of course, also the chase for October as the uh, baseball gets ratcheted up as September is here and they've got that month left to make the playoffs and of course we'll break down everything going on in major league baseball starting in september as we see the push for the playoffs there but the little league world series always got some great stories loves watching the kids and you see um, you're not worried about launch angle or defensive shifts in uh, little league baseball which is something that i really enjoy so Hats off, though, to uh, Maddie Frecking. She's uh, from Minnesota. The Minnesota team, they've been eliminated, but she's the first girl to play in the Little League World Series since Monet Davis just dominated on the mound uh, back in 2014. Uh, But she has been the star of her team. She, again, struck out one of the batters. She was on with the bases loaded. They brought her onto the mound, and uh, she struck out one batter and then came off the mound to get the force out. Uh, as well and she made some great plays in the divisional round where they were trying to qualify for the Little League World Series she made just a jumping stab at second base to get a guy out and just do a great defensive stop that motivated the rest of the team to come out there and win the game and move on to the Little League World Series so yes her team has been eliminated from championship contention but it's still cool to see girls out there just playing with the boys and doing just as well as they have it's always just an awesome story to see. And another awesome story as we wrap up shibbles and bits here, i got to give a good congratulations to Steph Curry, who has decided to uh, provide funding for six years for Howard uh, University, one of the historically black universities in the country, uh, the men's and women's golf teams for the 2020-21 years when it's going to start. Steph Curry is a very avid golfer. He's got a hilarious show on ABC uh, he had it here over the summer. Holy moly, where, again, it's just a crazy miniature golf course. It's just fun to have it there, but he's a big golf nut. He's got almost a scratch handicap. He's very good. He's played, I know, in a lot of pro-ams and things. So, again, he's just been motivated to uh, provide funding and get Howard to have, I think, the first ever historically black uh, college or university to play Division One golf. So I just find that just to be amazing and just a hats off and it, this is a way when you talk about you talk about the impact of tiger woods getting a lot of different people to play golf when he started and dominating but this is another way to do it is get the right equipment the funding to get especially at a lot of these hbcus the ability to go out there and play at the same level as a lot of these other college guys and that can get a lot more african-americans interested in in golf and in a competitive way I think this is great and again it's for six years and we'll see how Howard does in all that time but hats off to Steph Curry for leading the charge in this and we'll maybe see funding with some more of these uh, HBCUs in different sports as well because I know a lot of them they were great um, beacons especially for African-Americans back in the uh, you know mid to late 20th century but now with the progression of of course more colleges and universities accepting african-american athletes especially with scholarships and things like that it's changed the dynamics so the funding and things aren't really there as much as they have been so we'll see what happens with this but again this is just a great neat little story to see as uh, the week progresses and hopefully again i wish howard all the best as they start a new golf program there meanwhile that's gonna wrap up shibbles and bits but let's talk professional wrestling. It's time to get into the squared circle, where we have a new Wednesday Night War. Of course, we remember from the late 90s, the Monday Night Wars, where uh, WCW's Monday Nitro went head-to-head with the WWE or WWF back then, but now WWE's Monday Night Raw for rating Supremacy. And, of course, WWE came out on top. We could just spend very, a vast amount of podcasts just talking about that. At Go to the WWE Network. They have a whole series about Monday night, the Monday Night Wars. But it now looks like that wrestling war, on a different scale, is moving to Wednesdays. As we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, All Elite Wrestling AEW is going to be doing uh, their live wrestling show on Wednesdays on TNT starting on October 2nd. The WWE came out this week and announced that they are now going to move NXT to air live on the USA Network for two hours on Wednesday nights starting September 18th, so a couple of weeks before AEW's debut on TNT, and of course NXT has been an hour-long show on the WWE Network for a long time, it's of course been the developmental brand, but of course you see it now where it's just a lot of guys who have just come up through the independent scene and almost are their own competing brand? Really, when you look at a lot of this, I mean, of course, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, you've got you know Shayna Baszler, all the of course all the people that have come up through NXT, including of course all the guys from the Shield. You look at, I mean, Finn Balor, Shinsuke Nakamura, Samoa Joe. So many great wrestlers have come up through there. I mean, the Velveteen Dream is still down in NXT. Oh, my goodness. I can't even list all of them. It's just been amazing. All the great women's wrestlers from the women's revolution. Charlotte and Becky and... uh, you know Sasha Banks, who just came back and turned heel and was amazing in doing it and beating up Becky Lynch and Natalie and, of course, Bayley. All of them have come through NXT, so you see what they do. And the takeover shows, as we always talk about, are always just top to bottom the best brand when it comes to just top to bottom match quality on these big pay-per-view, and events. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what the NXT show is going to look like, especially now moving it to two hours. And it's also going to be live, which is something else we're going to have to pay attention to because a lot of times with those developmental talent, it's been something where they're able to, they've taped these shows. They tape them in blocks like they used to do for Raw back in the day. And the reason they did that is because, again, with these developmental guys, you don't want them just to have just complete botches and things that just don't look right, which is why they've taped it. So we'll see what they do. But again, you look at the roster, and you've got guys like Keith Lee, who's an amazing talent, but he can't even get on the show on NXT because they just have nothing to do for him. Maybe with two hours, they'll have something. Meanwhile, AEW... They're going to have all their great talent. So it's going to be really interesting to see if this is now going to be a Wednesday Night War. It could be the best night of wrestling top to bottom with AEW's talent and then the great NXT talent that you've got. So we'll see what happens. Matt Riddle could be king of Wednesday nights. He could be Mr. Wednesday night, like RVD was Mr. Monday night. We'll see what happens with all that, but I'm looking forward to watching all of it I'm setting my DVR for both of them. It's going to be amazing. Meanwhile, something they're finally doing, they're bringing back the King of the Ring tournament to the WWE. The first uh, couple of matches happened on Monday Night Raw, and then, of course, we got the SmackDown side that's going on while I'm recording this. Um, So the brackets go like this. On the Raw side, you had uh, Cesaro and Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe won that one to advance. You have Cedric Alexander, Taking on uh, Sami Zayn, Cedric Alexander getting the win in that one. The other uh, first round matches on the Raw side, I guess they'll happen next week Ricochet versus Drew McIntyre and The Miz versus Baron Corbin. On the SmackDown side, Kevin Owens versus Elias, Ali versus Buddy Murphy, Chad Gable versus Shelton Benjamin, and Apollo Crews versus Andrade. So you got a big room for a lot of great matches. With uh, hopefully just again clean pinfalls, so we don't have anything screwy happening in these. But it'll just be great to have a winner come out of the King of the Ring tournament, and we'll see. And of course, I'm sure they'll just find a way to have Baron Corbin win the whole thing and just make me depressed again. But uh, I guess we'll end there on a depressive note. But thank you guys again <laughs> for if God, if, please tell me Baron Corbin's not going to get pushed again. Just that would just oh I no I I. I'd, Please no. Please no. Uh, Anyway, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Modern Day Gladiators. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. We're going to be back next week. Of course, we're going to preview the SEC. We're going to talk more in-depth about my beloved Tennessee Vols. And, of course, we're going to have my picks for who's making the college football playoff as college football is getting here. It is almost—football is almost back. I love it. I cannot wait. So until next week, too sweet. I love you guys. See you next time we mm-hmm.